Good evening. You're listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I am your host, Troy Goodfellow. Uh, today, we have with us uh, PC Gamer's board gaming columnist, John Bolding. Howdy, howdy. And our friend from Waypoint, the editor-in-chief, the illustrious Austin Walker. How's it going? And today we are going to talk about, uh, well, you know, a couple of weeks ago we talked about a game only available on Switch. So today we're <laughs> going to talk about a game only available for now on iOS. Uh, Kit Fox's Six Ages, a sequel, prequel, midquel, something cool to their to the celebrated uh, King of Dragon Pass, a game we talked about in winter 2015. Um King of Dragon Pass was a game that was often talked about but rarely played until it came to Steam a few years ago, um, and now we have this whole wider world. Uh, John, let's start with you. What are the King of Dragon Pass games? What is Glorantha? What is Six Ages? Yeah, so um, Glorantha is a world-building project that was started by a mythology expert named Greg Stafford in 1975. So it's kind of one of the oldest game worlds, as it were. Like, it was originally designed for a war game called Red Bear and White Moon, um, which was a long time ago. So, like, this sort of predates, like, the Dungeons & Dragons era of role-playing games, if that makes sense. Um, But as opposed to something like the worlds people usually play games like Dungeons & Dragons or even more modern stuff like Dragon Age in... um, Glorantha is a fusion of pulp fiction with mythology instead of a of of pulp fiction with like Tolkien, which is right. what you get when you look at the D and D worlds. Um, and so, in the world of Glorantha, all the things that people believe in myth are true. Like the world actually is a giant cube of Earth sitting in an <laughs> infinite ocean, and the sun going through the sky actually is a dude in a chariot. And like when he gets murdered, there's no more sunrise, right? Um, those kinds of things are true in that world. And it gives this gives this a, a really unique tone. Um, the way the world feels, you, you sort of have to think like an Iron Age hill barbarian to be good <laughs> at King of Dragon Pass. Like if you do something your ancestors don't like, they will actually curse you. <laughs> Right. It is. Um, it is. I think the shorthand you're looking for is. Uh, it is sick as hell. Uh, yeah. It's it is so metal cool. as hell. Like it's really cool. Yeah. Like the the that reality is one of the things I actually like about it. One of the reasons I think it's so cool is because it's never been cool. Like mythology <laughs> as a basis for stuff has never been cool in the era of video games. Well, um, like for a long time. What do you What do you think the reason is for that? I think that mythology as a concept is a little inaccessible. Like yeah. it, it's not interested in like naturalism, which is what is the dominant form of all fiction for the last hundred or so years at this point. <laughs> right. Well, and I, I, if I can actually spin that maybe the other way, which is, I think that's true. I, I 100% agree with you um, in that when we talk about, when you say naturalism there, you mean a sort of resemblance to the rules of everyday reality, right? right. And, and, the, and the mode of expression that you and I, the conversation we're having now is naturalistic and is natural because we were actually having it. Mythology is is uh, uh, allegorical. Often, it's it's epic in the in the like dictionary definition. It's larger than life, um, and often is uh, lacks resolution, and often does not bring a, a sort of or it's hyper resolute. It has hyper resolution where everything lines sure. up perfectly. Um, uh, so I think that's all 100% true. I also think mythology does the opposite thing of what games do sometimes, which is it. I think games are non-naturalistic when it comes to rules often, and especially for rules with things like magic and gods, in which gods are gods and magic have a stat sheet. Um, uh, a fireball right. does X damage, and every and there's a, an elemental weakness chart, and all of that stuff that is fuzzy in mythology is very clean and uh, and mechanical. In, in games ranging from uh, wargaming to D&D to, to uh, Dragon Age, right? Um, and mythology, it just doesn't work like that. And one of the things that's so great about King of Dragon Pass, and now I think about, about Six Ages, 
is that you can have the right answers. You can know what's supposed to happen in the myth you're trying to recreate and embody. You can know what, what all of the features are of a great hero of your age. You can try to live the life of uh, an Iron Age or a Bronze Age hill person and still come up wrong because sometimes it just doesn't go your way. Sometimes the spirits are fickle. And, and even though the perfect ending is right in grasp, things turn just so, and it's you're a bit player in someone else's myth, you know? Well, right. l- l- let's talk about, first of all, what, what the game is, yes, people who are fair. not familiar with it. Uh, Six Ages and King of Dragon Pass are, you are the ruler of a small clan. Right, and yeah, it's like a thousand about, people or less. Yeah, and you're about guiding, it's about guiding the future of your clan. In King of Dragon Pass, it is really about the for- formation of civilization, building your small tribe into a larger society. Six Ages is a little bit less ambitious than that as far as, you know, not sure for civilization necessarily, but you, do want, <laughs> but you do want to have a successful, stable society that is not threatened by its neighbors, that can feed itself, uh, that has the blessings of the gods. Right. Yeah, and the cool thing about Six Ages is that if you've already played King of Dragon Pass, or you're at least passingly familiar with it, King of Dragon Pass in the world of Glorantha happens during the era of time and of recorded history and when things are happening and the world moves linearly forward. Um, whereas Six Ages actually happens before time began. It happens in the era of the things that the people in King of Dragon Pass consider to be the myths and legends of before recorded history and before time, capital T, becomes a thing in this world, right? Um, and so in Six Ages, you are enacting the mythical deeds that you can actually, some of them, read about in King of Dragon Pass mm-hmm. itself. And, uh, well, I mean, we should uh, we just give, like, the high-end what-is-this-game thing, because otherwise I think our conversation is going to be hard to understand, because are people imagining right now civilization, where it's, like, an isometric view, or people... so. It's a game that's driven by menus. Uh, both King of Dragon Pass and Six Ages are, are, are it's driven by menus, and and the menus that you have in front of you um, range from uh, a look at the map where you can tell your the map of like the the large territory um, where it's just kind of. Uh, a, a, a geographic uh, vision of what's around you with some names. There aren't like units or anything like that, but you can click on point and say, hey, um, during this part of the year, I want to go send my this this hero I have to go look over there and explore um, or to forage for food. There is a war map, uh, war menu, where you can send people out to go raid for supplies from neighboring clans. Um, there is a menu for magic where you can research lore by, by sacrificing things to the gods or build shrines to the various gods uh, in order to get their blessings or sacrifice for spirit blessings. Um, there is a, a kind of wealth uh, tab that tells you how many goats and cows and horses you have and how much food and how many how many kind of trade goods you, you have um, that you can set up uh, trade routes with neighboring clans and, and emissaries. And it's all menu-based. It's all text-based. With some, uh, it's, it, There's some beautiful art. There's like uh, actually a lot of beautiful new art. And, and I'll say we haven't gotten very evaluative in, in this conversation so far, but just going from years of playing and reading you know let's plays and and watching other people play king of dragon pass to going to six ages and suddenly being overwhelmed with a ton of new art and events um was was overwhelming in this way i did not expect in a good way in a, in a very i mean like an emotional sense of like oh wow we've i've i've traveled i've traveled to this new world there's so much for me to to soak in after knowing the same events from King of Dragon Pass for so long. Um, and those events come to you, and the game kind of functions um, by seasons. Um, you know, first it is the, the, the season of doing, uh, of, of magic. I forget what's the sacred time. It's sacred time, where you, you, know, you, you spend your magic for the year, you have magic as a resource, and you go, okay, well, this year we're going to invest in crops and in the health of our people and in some diplomacy maybe. And so you put some points of, uh, you, you've, let's say you have 13 points of magic and you spend like three or four of them. You put the rest in, in your back pocket just in case. Um, and then it advances through kind of harvest seasons from the kind of planting season of the earth season through the fire season where people can go on raids and do kind of more exploratory things because the crops are growing. 
um, to the. I may have gotten this out of order because there's also a there's a harvest season. I think is that Earth is that Earth? That's Earth season. That's so next, what's yeah. cropping? What's the what's the spring? What's the what's the sowing your um, seeds? It's rain season. Rain season. The season of water. Yeah. Gotcha. Of course. Of course. Um, and then and then it goes into dark season and storm season and and you know there's a sense of like time is moving and you're you're kind of doing a couple things per each turn. Um, and that is what the game is, and, and it's every time you advance the clock, an, uh, an event is pulled from the pool of, of possible events, and that can be something like a neighboring tribe uh, comes through your, your territory transporting slaves to another neighboring clan where they want to go sell those people. What do you do? Uh, do, you, do you tell them, like, yeah, here's some food, hang out here for the night and get on your way? Do you say, no, you're not allowed to pass through our lands? Do you give them hosp- hospitality but then rat, rat them out to the clan uh, whose people they've stolen? Um, ranging from that to like a bunch of trolls show up and kill a bunch of sheep, what do you do? Uh, it's constantly feeding you these kind of what do you do questions in a, in a way that feels very much like a tabletop game. So I, of course, love it a lot. Yeah, it's very much a choose your own adventure thing. And uh, one of the important mechanics is your, your council. Right. Uh, you have this whole council of advisors who ha- follow, who prefer certain gods have certain attributes and skills, you know, kind of like you would find any other strategy game. Right. Uh, and you can ask for their advice before you take decisions, and you will see splits in your council. Uh, for example, uh, one early uh, event is a bunch of guys from a neighboring tribe come over, and they're complaining that their chieftain is a woman, a horror of horrors. Right. Right. And they want to get the support of the men on your council. They only want to talk to the men on your council right. to see if they can, if you, you will help undermine their leader. And there are, you know, there's political reasons why you might want to undermine a leader on the other side. You might want to have a friend on the other side. Um, and you might not want to antagonize council members who are women who have, you know, don't want to have their status uh, questioned going forward. But, you know, some of the men on your council might think, you know what, maybe these bros are onto something. <laughs> uh, so you have this division in your council, and then sometimes they don't have any thoughts at all. They're fine with, eh, whatever, we don't care about this, but often right. they have disagreements. Um, and knowing your council members becomes very, very important, especially when it comes to the rituals that you get to reenact. Right. And this was in uh, King of Dragon Pass as well. And this is kind of a Robert Graves approach you know, to religion and mythology, that so much of it was based on, you know, actively performing the myths. Uh, There's kind of a questionable understanding of mythology, but there are certainly certainly some uh, cults that did that sort of thing. Um, And, you know, you could perform, like, I did a ritual perfectly, but I chose a council member who was not following the right god. Right. So I was like, you know, nice try, but the gods would like to have somebody who really cared about them. Or the right. other thing, the opposite thing can happen sometimes, yeah. right? And again, this yeah. is why I think it feels like like real magic in a way. Yeah, Cameron Kunzelman, uh, two days ago, or, or I mean, uh, as of this recording, I guess, you know, just yesterday maybe, um, just wrote a piece over at Kotaku that is uh, basically like, I like it when magic is in, in, a, in, a, in a fictional world or in a game, magic uh, is, is not easily understandable, isn't, isn't just like a super basic, you know, plus two to your attack. Yeah. Uh, and right. then it, it feels dangerous and it feels scary. And and here I think magic can feel powerful and hopeful and, and stuff too. It isn't just scary, but it is unreliable because the opposite can happen sometimes. And I don't know if this happened to either of you, where you will send in a, a council member or one of the heroes of your clan, one of the, the kind of like named characters to do a, a, a hero quest, to do to, to act out one of these myths. And you'll take a twist. You'll do something a little different to, you know, maybe in the myth that you know, the cow goddess sung a low song to her calves to keep them quiet. But for whatever reason, this kind of bullheaded character you sent in decides to kill the wolves that are hunting them instead. And 90% of the time, that doesn't work. Because it's like, whoa, that's not good. That's not how the myth went. But every once in a while... You kill the wolves and you you kind of enact this other version of the myth and still manage to come yeah. out the other side. And that feels so cool. It feels so um, – I think it communicates the feeling that John set up, which is that we're living in the time of the gods. Like this is not – this is prehistory. Things can still be written in that way. Yeah, and it's uh, it's such a major 
facet of this world that like the the myths can change the myths can be different than you might expect them to be and that you might meet other people whose version of the myth is different um that's a major thing so in in six ages you are a member of the uh the sun horse people right so you are horse riding nomads who move from area to area and for now you've settled in this new valley and one of your chief rival groups or of course there's other clans of horse tribesmen but there are people whose um, ancestor did not work with the horse god and instead enslaved her and so they're right. chariot riding people and you fucking hate them yeah um but you don't hate them as much as you hate the people across the river who worship the storm tribe which is another group of gods um they're dicks and they that's killed actually, the sun they're they killed, killed the, sun. the sun and you the sun is good yeah you gotta get mad about that right <laughs> um as opposed to like in king of dragon pass you actually are storm tribe worshipers right so you are the assholes in king of dragon pass as right. it were right uh well so that is that's my one of my favorite things about this game uh, john is like they're coming from king of dragon pass and i suspect i suspect maybe the hopes of the team who made this game is that way more people play this than play king of dragon pass but for me coming from king of dragon pass immediately being positioned as a group that you know, I have some Glorantha knowledge. I, I skimmed the, the most recent, that big rule book that, that came out and, and sure. the setting guide. Um, and I have friends who love Glorantha, and so I've kind of, through osmosis, gotten a lot of it. But as someone who's primarily played and replayed King of Dragon Pass over the last 10 years, um, switching to Worshippers of the Sun and seeing their perspective on it, and also under, coming to understand very clearly that there is... And King of Dragon has gestured at this, but it wasn't the focus. There's differences between various uh, sun-worshipping cultures in this in this world, right? And right, yeah. hey, which one am I? How do I feel about Yelm? How do I feel about the other sun gods, the pretenders to the to the sun throne, effectively? Um, and seeing them very clearly represented on the map from the start of the game in a way that. Uh, King of Dragon Pass certainly had those other cultures, and you know there were the charioteers, there were the wheels, and the and the you know there were the ducks, for instance, in King of Dragon Pass. But immediately in this game, you are constantly at the crossroad between these two other cultures, on top of like you said, all the different tribes, and their perspectives on the world are so different. But there's just enough of, of the Venn diagram overlap that so many of the questions of running your tribe are like, all right, we kind of agree on this one thing, but we don't fully agree. We're going to do this ritual. Do we ask the chariot people to come do this horse ritual with us, knowing that they, while they have a similar myth and a similar belief about the horse god, they have such a different perspective on the outcome of that myth. Is that good for us? Can we, you know, we need more magic. Do we go to them or do we go to the, to the storm people who would love to have horses, but who don't because they didn't figure out how to work with the horses at all? Right. Um, and that stuff is just so potent for me in, in terms of transporting me to a time and place and, and building a world. Yeah. And it's really cool as a sequel element too, where like when you play King of Dragon Pass, you're like, Hey, we we're we're storm barbarians and we have horses. And mm -hmm. then you come and play six ages and it's a, it's such an extreme prequel that the whole world is so cool and different. Um, and you're like, Hey, wait, we had horses. Why don't they have horses? <laughs> And part of this game is like, yeah, you're going to find out yeah. how that happens to yeah. them, how they get horses. Um, and I just, I love that you are making myth. You are making real history in this game. It's working within this sort of interesting, undefined spaces of a highly defined game world mm -hmm. and letting you make that story for yourself. Even aside from the myth, I mean, as an anthro, as an anthropology type game is actually very, very uh, interesting. And so is Six of Ages as well. This idea of, I mean, faith and magic is is first, I mean, it is central to, you know, all the quests and the progress, but it's also central to the very basics of trying to keep your society alive. You, know, yeah. you want to have the, the, the blessings of the crop god, you know, it's are kind of important. I mean, it's not just about uh, doing the the fun stuff of uncovering the myths. It's also about the basic stuff, uh, the basic parts of running a small society. Uh, are your warriors happy? Is your council happy? Um, did you forget about the crops this time because you're just too busy trying to be some some, some glory seeking chieftain? Uh, there's a whole economy, and that's where the strategy part of the game comes in. Is 
allocating your action points and your magic points. I call them magic points. They're really effectively action points and focus points uh, for uh, the the very fundamental acts of running a tribe. Uh, I mean... And King of Dragon Pass, one of the issues was, you know, when do I, when do I build my walls? Because I need, kind of need a defense. Here, right. you know, the, that's the walls aren't necessarily that big a thing because I don't really haven't discovered hammers yet or something. <laughs> uh, but there are, you have to build shrines. You need to clear more space for crops because, yeah, you may be horse people, but you still got to have crops. Um, and there's this whole understanding or interpretation of what a Pre prehistory or pre civilization uh, culture is about where religion is central to this and myth is central to this, but it's central to so many things that you have to not forget that some of those things are keeping people fed, trading cows, yeah. exploring. Um, when do I send my shaman out? Well, what if I? What will I need my shaman home this year, or should I send him out? <sighs> You know, to find a spirit that could help us the, trade yeah, or whatever, doing, right? Yeah, he's he's gone for a year to find something he heard about in the mountains because he's a crazy guy. <laughs> uh, so you send him off the mountain, but then you don't have your shaman around, right? Uh, for and you might need him for something. Do you, uh, know. do you all know what Six Ages, uh, the translations or the uh, explicit translation of Six Ages is in in Sanskrit? No, what is it? It's, it's the desire for more cows. <laughs> yeah. Great. Just like I love the how much of the strategy in this game revolves around wanting basic things. You're like, man, it would be really great if we had more cows. Uh, like, always. Oh always. wow, this like shitty tribe of goat farmers has come along and they're starving in the hills. You're like, man, the people of our village will really hate it if we bring in these goat farmers. Except look at how many goats they have. Yeah. Yeah. And we need goats. I mean, so I'll say this about I've played King of Dragon Pass probably a dozen times, and I've that's not true. I've played it way more than that. I've probably gotten a half dozen victories over the years, right? Uh, on long, on long games, I've probably gotten uh, more victories on the short games of King of Dragon Pass. I don't think I've ever had more difficulty creating a stable clan than in Six Ages. Oh um, God, yeah. Maybe that's oh, I because, love it though. It, no, it me punches too. you in the gut over and over. It's constant. It's like oh, and there, there's more metrics for tracking that now in some ways, right? Because now on top of just having your amount of uh, herds and horses and goats and, and crops and get, and goods, there's also like, well, what do the neighboring clans think of you? How many how many people hate you, straight up hate you, and you have a little marker on your on your screen that says, oh, yeah, you have four people who hate you. You have four hate marks against you. Three people are mocking you. Um, and it's it's so difficult. So much of that early time is just how do I get to, to – uh, a sort of status quo that I can live with so that I can start sending my shaman out to the mountain. Um, and I, I never hit it. Like, I even even in games where I did really well in Six Ages, I never felt comfortable. And I think that that speaks to that prehistory notion, right? That, like, no, it's a struggle to... Bringing people together shouldn't be easy. Um, there's a great event early on that I, that I, I get a couple uh, now and then where it's like you and some other folks are talking about how bad everything is and you kind of decide on an ambition, um, uh, kind of a goal. Like, what if we did this? Uh, and, you know, some of those things are like, what if we shared writing with people? Would that help? Uh, and some of them are, are, are very specific. Like, what if we went back to not having uh, – uh, um, not having uh, to set land, or we went back to a purely nomadic, to a pure horse way of life. Um, and one of them is like, what if we built a city, like the city that we came from in myth? And the, the answer to that is like, no, negative mood to your whole clan. You don't have metal. You don't, no one, not enough people know how to write. There, you don't have streets. You don't have any of the things you need to build what you think of as civilization. Get it out of your head. Like, you, you're barely able to eat right now. Focus on that before you start dreaming of building a domed tower, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's really great. Um, and I do I do like those basic things where, like, there's a lot of little flavor text here and there. Uh, you go visit one of the storm tribes, you know, you send them, like, a diplomatic mission. And one of the things that your people will report back is, like, oh, my God, they have so much bronze. Right. Like, everybody, right. everybody had metal tools. They were using bronze hose to till their ground instead of wooden ones. You're like, oh my god, how do we how do we get that? Yeah, like what deal do we have to make? Um, and I think that that is like I, I think that that ends up being core to what 
the messages of this game, um, or messages probably too strong, right? But, you know, the end of King of Dragon Pass is the thing it says it is. You're, you're building a new kingdom, right? Your, your goal is to unite the clans, uh, to unite the tribes into a clan, and then to unite all the clans into a larger, more stable, permanent place on the map. Um, and in some ways, I guess the goal for this is similar, but it's, it's almost more of a Romeo Juliet story. It's almost more of a, like, how do we bring together the horse people and the rams? How do we bring together the suns and the storms? Um, right. And it ends up being through a marriage, right? Uh, and and it's a tighter game because of that. It never feels as sprawling to me as King of Dragon Pass, even though I think the map itself is much bigger. The focus is the focus feels like it's only on a couple of generations um, instead of feeling like there's this. You know, a long King of Dragon Pass game for me could go years and years and years and years and years, like you know, four or five generations, maybe maybe more than that. Yeah. Um, whereas this felt like this is a very specific moment in time, and and it looks like from the menus at least that they will be adding additional like. I don't know if it'll be Crusader Kings style different start dates or entirely. So as I understand it, yeah, go ahead, um, please. There, each each of those start dates, in my understanding of the world, is a couple generations later. Cool. So they'll let you play through one scenario and then take your tribe, and it'll oh, sort of deal you a awesome. new hand of starting questions for your old tribe and move you forward to that next scenario. That sounds um, great. And man, if you are excited about this world and you think this world is really cool. Some of the most bananas shit that ever happens in this universe happens in the timeframes they've set up for this game. So can you can get like very a, excited a, about that. A little bit of a tease on one of those maybe. I mean, we're talking about uh, like literally the, the spike that holds the world together in the center of reality, exploding and falling through into the void beyond. Like, Sick. Good. It's some really insane <laughs> things. <laughs> Perfect. Um, do you think that this game captures that stuff? And I think I know how I feel about it, but I'm curious for you two. In, in a way, because on one hand, it's such a dry game mechanically. Um, you know, this is a game in which everything is menu driven. Everything is a choice on the on the on a selection uh, box, uh, and and even in terms of like the moment to moment how you do that, it's like all right, I'm going to click on the portrait of this council member. I'll get their input, then I'll click on the, the portrait of this council member, and they'll say that this isn't a matter for the council. And I'll click on this third one who says like, yes, of course we should do this because Raven says we should. Um, and then I go over and I hit a button, and it's like all right, cool. I've dealt with the the trolls who have stolen these babies or whatever. I, that's that's not a real one. I just came up with that one. It's a good um, one. Though. It's a good one. It happen certainly in my tabletop glorantha game i would absolutely have some trolls steal some babies um what do you think that that communicates en enough of the kind of feeling of chaos and and kind of wild mystery that the game goes for i i think it often does i mean it there are points where it falls flat where it's like there are there are mechanical hoops that the game wants you to jump through it's like yeah you have to you have to engage with like the rating and war system right um though a lot of that if you didn't like king of dragon pass um has been simplified and is way less opaque much less 1999 way more 2018 <laughs> uh just simple things like the war system you can sort of more immediately understand what's happening when you're like i think we should berserk attack it's like well you took a bunch of fucking casualties yeah um and things like food it's like you have five seasons of food, not you have 893 bushels of grain. Uh, just that very basic level yeah. stuff is just so much more satisfying and good in, in Six Ages. I think the war system specifically is fascinating because the system as it was in King of Dragon Pass kind of gave you how many people both sides had. Both sides had. Um, it gave you like the option at the top of a fight to either you know do kind of a magical ritual or begin pelting your enemy with arrows or you charge them and then and then there would be a moment or two in combat where there'd be like a heroic event you know oh you spotted the the enemy leader this you know this one hero that you have spotted the enemy leader what do you do um, and that was cool this is a lot cleaner in terms of. It presents you a very basic kind of stick figure drawing at the bottom of the screen that shows, you know, two fortresses or like a fortress being defended and uh, another army on the left-hand side and then your army on the right-hand side if you're defending, for instance. Um, and then there are a number of steps in the, in the actual encounter in which you're saying like, okay, let's move defensively. Let's, let's try to outmaneuver them. Let's try to keep them at skirmish distance. Let's charge in. Um, and it ends up being this really fun thing where I actually saw someone, I want to say on Reddit, or maybe it was actually 
maybe it was actually uh, David uh, David uh, Dunham, who's the the lead dev on it, saying this somewhere. Um, but you get these sen- you get the sense sometimes that a battle can be just about like just about over for both sides at the same time. Things can really feel like both sides are about to break um, because both sides are terrified and have suffered enough losses. And you just get this feeling, if I can just make one gambit, if I can just like trick them one time, if I can just outmaneuver them just so, we can win this one. Uh, and that is not a feeling I ever got in King of Dragon Pass in which I was mostly clicking through and going like, eh, yeah, that one didn't go good, you know? <laughs> right, yeah, the sort of basic uh, raid, like raids being four clicks or five clicks instead of one click. Yeah. Just, it felt, feels like such a revolutionary change to the game <laughs> systems. Totally. And it, in both games, but especially, I mean, war is something, or raiding, isn't something you undertake lightly. Right. I mean, you, you need the wealth, you know, and you need the, the prestige and the fear that comes with being a successful raider. Um, but one, it pisses people off for some reason. Yeah, like it turns out, right. It does. Surprisingly. Well, uh, it feels like it pisses hurt. people off more in this than in King of Dragon Pass, which feels... Or, in King of Dragon Pass, everyone is constantly raiding. You're from a culture yeah. of violence in a way that's like, yeah, of course, like we, we fight each other. We try not to kill each other, but we're constantly fighting each other. Like It's, a ba- it's bad right. to kill another right. Storm Believer. Uh, you know, that's not what you're going for. You have auxiliaries there to heal you, um, and we're going for non-lethal wounds, but we're fighting constantly. Whereas here, it feels like, yo, why did you steal my cows? Why would you do that? And, and you did it because you're trying to feed people. Like, you're doing right. it because you need those cows um and and that's little kind of just it's a little tiny pivot in the presentation and in the how often it happens on both sides communicates a lot about the two different perspectives on culture and 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 life yeah and 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 a raid that goes poorly in both games can absolutely ruin your game oh yeah and you i mean you will lose you lose manpower you lose the respect of your council uh you can't defend yourself if somebody tries to (sighs) Do a retributive uh, raid. Oh, yeah. Which means even yeah. if you did get some cows out of the raid, you're going to lose the next one. Uh, so there is, I mean, the decision to take up arms for profit is something you have to do in the game. Uh, but it's You do, and the game penalizes you if you don't, right? Yeah, I mean, um, everyone yeah. around you will be like, hey, they kind of suck. They never raid anyone. They yeah. must be weak. Yeah, you need to have that. That the, the prestige that comes with being a successful raider. Um, but I'm such a coward. <laughs> I just, I mean, I'm a notorious coward both in real life <laughs> and in Sclorantha. Uh, I would, I much prefer to talk to people, use a diplomatic way, but you know, you've got to go steal some cows to have that power behind the diplomacy. You have to, you know, the yeah. Teddy Roosevelt's big stick. Uh, in order for it to work, so there is such a calculation in taking these chances. This isn't a game. This isn't a strategy game like, you know, Civilization or EU or uh, Endless Legend or whatever, where you just you build up a big army and then you go stomp everyone, and that shows that you're strong. No, you show you're strong by taking risks when you're weak, right. having them pay off, and then carrying that reputation forward um, through gradual and slow strength. Yeah. Um, this, this isn't a game with a there isn't really a snowball effect here because the game isn't really about war well it is I mean it is probably more about war than games that are full of war <laughs> right right because like it, it more materially shows you what those costs are you know again with some exceptions I think some grand strategy games do a better job of this but 4X games and RTSs aren't particularly interested in what the, the home cost is to sending, uh, you know, a, an army out uh, and leaving your home undefended and, and, you know, failing to come back with the cows that you, that you intended and, and actually yeah, losing yeah. people, you know? Yeah, there is a real brutal cost to that, and it can lose you the game. I mean, it definitely can. I had a really brutal moment where I thought that something awesome was going to happen if I sent out an expedition to this location, so I picked my most badass hero and i send every single one of my warriors and a good number of my auxiliary bowmen with him and i'm like this is great we're gonna go to this cool crater it's gonna be full of amazing magical loot and we are gonna win and i send him there 
and he never returns and neither does anyone else. Right. Like as in a year and a half later, we just get the, Hey, none of them ever came back and everyone has given up on them ever coming back. And that was really cool. That's really cool. Right. And I, I like those results much more here in six ages than I did in King of Dragon Pass where things like that could happen. But six ages in general is a slightly shorter game. Right. uh, With a slightly different win condition. And so I felt more comfortable taking those risks in this game than I did in uh, King of Dragon Pass, which is is better, I think, overall. If I feel more uh, comfortable to a certain degree with the consequences of my actions, I'm willing to take those risks where I'm like, yeah, maybe this game I'm going to concentrate on having as many horses as possible. <laughs> and I know that if that turns out to be the worst strategy, I won't sink f- 10 hours in before I realize how bad a totally. plan that was. I mean, I'll say that too, which is it, it's... It was amazing to me how quickly I started breezing through the game and taking having years disappear in minutes, um, which King of Dragon Pass took time. You know, it wasn't much, um, wasn't much slower of a game, actually. But for I think maybe because its length is so, so it's such a longer game that it didn't feel like I was breezing through it in the same way. But I can just get through a year of six ages. So quickly, uh, it actually makes it a surprisingly good mobile game. Um, yeah, being able to play it on the bus or the train has been like, oh wow, yeah, I feel like I've made some progress today, and bit by bit, I'll get through this playthrough. You know? Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. Um, that's been my primary way of playing. Is just like, oh yeah, I'll sit down and play that for a couple of years of the end game. Yeah. And I think this one, this one's definitely shorter, and it's got more. I mean, it's probably two, two, maybe three generations of play. In the in-game world, I'm not sure exactly how many. I yeah, can't say I've I counted to this point. I, I, I'll put it this way: like my first real, my first complete game had three council leaders, had three, um, three people lead my council from, I guess, three different generations or like two and a half generations. You know, okay. um, so yeah, that is that's that's what I that's where it is. So it's, pro- it's probably something like sixty years, and I do like that. Yeah, it has that aging element where people come and then they. They live their life and then they die. I, re- I do remember having like a person I put on the council at twenty years old die right. of old age. Yeah, slowly so. grow that beard out or have their hair to their hair turn gray or whatever, and then yeah, I guess they got to go. That's that's it's great. You know, it's funny because it is that sort of character stuff is something that I've already brought up Crusader Kings to once, but like it's so underutilized in in strategy gaming of like i care about this specific person who has a full arc of their life um and playing six ages is just a a reminder that i want more games like that out there so game developers please make me care about people who will die of old age (laughs) yeah absolutely like make me sad when someone dies like i had a really cool shaman one time who when she died of old age i was like oh shit Right. What are we? What are we going to do without her? Right. She was invaluable. Right. Well, I think we get that in certain like tactics games, like XCOM. Obviously, does stuff like that. Um, I guess. Um, what was the the, the the massive chalice did a little bit of that actually. Right. Um, but just do more of it. Like, please, please. This is a real, real gap. Like, it's something different between losing someone in XCOM in a battle is one thing, but there's something else about like. Yeah, like they helped me get this fucking farm working. They helped me get the spirits on my on my uh, you know in my my I almost said Tula, which is the King of Dragon Pass term for your territory. Um, but on my territory under control. Oh, remember when the big weird uh, uh, beavers attacked? All oh, right, my shaman. My shaman was the one who told me to to pray to this spirit to scare them off or whatever. Right, and like, yeah. that's a very specific different thing that when it ends with and then one night she died. Um, that's just such a, a unique thing. And again, I think speaks to this game as something that's more interested in history and anthropology and mythology than just traditional, a sh- traditional strategy game experience. Yeah, absolutely. So what do we make of the decision to release this on iOS first uh, of all platforms? And it is, a, I mean, you're right, it's an excellent mobile game. It's something that I've played on the mm-hmm. subway. Uh, you know, when I go out to see my friends out west uh, in the city, I'm up in the subway, it's a 20-minute ride, it's a good you know, 20 minute distraction. Right. Uh, but you know, it's, it's better on my tablet than on my phone. Um, I don't like taking my tablet all, everywhere I go or my iPad. Right. Uh, it is, uh, is a game heavy with words. Yeah. 
uh, which are, of course, better seen on either an iPad or a proper monitor uh, than on a phone. Though phones are getting big these days. So I, like my, I like a phone that can fit in my pocket. Thing. Me too. Like, I'm a small phone fan. I am. I don't like big phones. We can't turn this uh, into this podcast, Joy, but, but I'm with I, you. Okay. <laughs> I, oh, we, we could do a whole podcast on the phone size. Uh, but Kit Fox opted to do this in iOS first, despite the success, or I but only assume a success, of King and Dragon Pass on Steam. Um, what's their thinking here? I, I think it must be that they saw more sales on iOS when they brought back King of Dragon Pass, mm-hmm. and so that's where they went first. I mean, that's my only guess. Yeah, that's my guess, too. I, I, I sit with it in a weird way, which is that I play it on Commute. I play it on my iPad before bed, because I'm in bed. And it's like, oh, yeah, my iPad. I can play a, a couple years. But I, it, had it struggled to break into my evening gaming routine, um, and partly that's because, uh, you know, when you cover games for a living, you often are juggling a lot at once and you're kind of moving from game to game and you're you're trying to, like, focus your hours in a certain way and take notes and there's a certain type of attention being paid. Um, but partly it's just I'm not sitting at my desk with my iPad or I'm not sitting on my couch with my iPad and watching something the same. Or if I am sitting on my couch and playing something on my iPad while watching something on the TV at the same time. That thing I'm playing on my iPad can't be a thing where it demands my reading attention. You know, that's a very um, six ages is a very active uh, kind of full brain experience because on one hand you are uh, kind of digging deep into the world building and being you know oohed and uh, you're giving your oohs and your ahs to uncovering the mystery of uh, the the siblings who the the kind of a, the the half god siblings and their weird little sibling rivalry and, and and the other half of your brain you're like okay well I have 700 cows how do I make those 700 cows into enough money to uh, go trade with blah blah you know you're using all of your brain. Um, uh, so I don't have the ability to sit there and play that on my iPad while also SVU or whatever Jeopardy is on TV the way I would if I was playing kind of a light tactics game on my on my iPad or something. Uh, and so I do I'm eager for it to be on PC and I know it's coming on PC because it is such a I'm sitting at my computer and looking at my monitor and that is the thing I'm doing sort of yeah. game. Um, I don't think it was a mistake necessarily. Like I, I definitely think John is right. Like. This is this. I bet that King of Dragon Pass sold well on iOS, um, and it, porting is is hard. You know, um, the, I think that that Dave Dunham came out and basically said that they were counting on certain third party libraries for porting to be available, and then they were they were discontinued or the dev tools didn't match up with them or something, um, which is a bummer. But uh, I think the game will actually find a lot of success on Steam when it releases because it's such a an absorbing sort of game. I hope it does. I, I hope so too. I, it's the kind of game, the sort of um, beautifully realized tactical text adventure. Yeah, it's there's not a lot there, as it were. And I am so excited to see the beautiful art. Me on too. A giant fucking monitor. I'm thrilled for this concept because it is gorgeous. Um, yeah, it's it's overwhelmingly pretty, and there's multiple art styles at work in yes. the game. I love how so like when things take place in the mundane world, they're this nice nicely warm edged watercolor palette mm-hmm. of of colors and brush types and strokes and then when things take place in the divine world in the the world of the war of the gods where your people travel when they reenact myth um they are these sharp edged very digitally rendered digital effects all over them um lovely illustrations with very uh bright colors and very uh, much more vivid, right? Just generally more vivid. And then mm-hmm. when you have these amazing few moments in the game where something from the world of the gods comes into the yes. mundane world, it exists there in its separate art style and color palette. And that is so overwhelmingly cool. Like every time that happened playing this game, I like went and found my spouse to show her. Cause I was like, look how cool this is. Someone other than me has to see this, <laughs> which is rare. Totally. Um, I, briefly on the art style too. Another thing that I just love is how I, I came into it imagining a similar sort of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like I, I guess a sort of 
I, I knew it was a different time period, but I expected this to be a game filled with Vikings again. Does that make sense? Sure, um, yeah. And instead, there's this almost, um, there's like a step-like quality to so many of the, in fact, there's such an over, there's, it, it feels like the, the Tower of Babel hasn't fallen yet, right? Because you end up getting the Vikings of the Ram people to the south, but you also have this sort of Mongolian feeling uh, or, or, or step people feeling of your own culture. Um, there's, there, there are, are, Moments when even the myths start to feel East Asian, you know, the, the myth of, of conquering right. the the um, the river, right? The the way in which you you the, the river was tamed feels so much like a, a Chinese myth that I've read before. Um, and there are moments when you know it starts to feel a little a little Indian. It feels it feels like it's uh, North African in places, and that that and it doesn't just feel that way. The art style communicates that through. Uh, there's like a lot of people of color in this game. There are a lot of uh, of different fashion styles, um, and it just feels like such you are really at the center of the world, uh, where all of these things, all these these different cultures are smashing into each other or, or bumping into each other. It's actually softer than smashing, right? Like this isn't yeah. a game about all-out war. This is a game about a bunch of people kind of feeling each other out, trying to figure out where they agree and disagree, trying to figure out if. You know, if if Humacht is the god of death and the the you know the the uh, the the god slayer and death bringer, or is he kind of a a kind of foolish, over eager suitor who wants to win the hand of a goddess and kind of looks like a corny slime ball? And yeah. that kind of the way that all that stuff is echoes out into the art and into the way in which the different cultures are represented is just so fascinating and, and I think shows a really deft, curative hand, a very smart curation in terms of how the, the different cultures are presented and and the, the kind of the... Look, not just the color palettes, but again, the sort of iconograph, the iconograph, iconographic uh, palettes of 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 uh, similar images. The use of things like circles and and lines for some cultures, and like little medals and plaques for others, and that stuff is just so clever um, and and so consistent. Yeah, it's a very material world, right? The- everyone has objects that look like something that a human being could make and own, <laughs> right? Um, and they're they're just festooned with this stuff, right? Like they've got patches and things all over their jackets or clothing, or mm-hmm. they're wearing it. Like you see the style of people from other cultures, and they're just wearing things completely different than people from your own culture. And I love how much of that is in this game. Like there are so many times where I would hide the text and just stare at the art and like, wow, what's that person wearing? What's that weird helmet? <laughs> like I've never seen anything like that. And then you can go online and Google like weird cone shaped helmet. And then someone will be like, oh, it turns out that they found a bunch of those in tombs from Babylon or what have right, you. Right, right. Uh, so any final words or final thought? I mean, what should people, I maybe mean, people should certainly pick this up. It is, uh, in my opinion, it's what, $19.99 on iOS? I think it's $9.99 American. Sorry, $9.99, okay, that's right. Uh, that's right. So I think it's about $13 uh, here in Canada. Uh, it is a game that is, you know, Shorter than King of Dragon Pass, but it's a lot of the same uh, elements that we liked when we talked about it in 2015. Um, and I really hope this comes to Steam in early 2019. Me I would like too. more people uh, to get to play this. I'd like to see you know more Let's Plays of it, uh, have more discussion of it, um, because it is on iOS. I mean, there isn't the discussion in the mobile game space. Even when really good quality products come to mobile they get maybe announced and then they fall out of the discussion, uh, which is kind of disappointing. Um, you know, I mean, we have now we have Civ on iPad and we have Rome Total War coming to iPad. Um, I'd, I'd like to see, you know, more games like uh, Six Ages come to, you know, come to iPad and we have, and we have a proper discussion about good mobile gaming beyond, wow, is a mobile gaming full of trash? Right. It seems to be the assumption the default assumption being you know, a lot of the gaming media, and uh, and I mean it's. I remember doing PR for a company, and they said, "Well, can we get the mobile press to write about this?" And my answer was, "What mobile press? Yeah, who's going to write about this? There's like three sites, and a bunch of places that will ask you to pay them for a review." Uh, <laughs> so I hope people do. If they have an iPad uh, or a fo- or a large phone. Uh, I recommend you. I mean, I recommend you check out Six Ages. Uh, I, yeah, a hundred percent. I I I definitely understand the impulse to wait until it's out on Steam um, or out on PC. And I 
I, I, there's a world in which I would also be doing that, but I do genuinely think that if this conversation sounded good, give yourself the two or three hours, uh, you know, uh, one night to really sink into it. And let it sink into you and, and pick it up on, on iOS if you can. It's it is genuinely a special game. Um, from it's a special game in the sense that it is not the sort of game you play most often. Yeah. Right. It just this sort of stuff isn't that common. Um, and there's other stuff that's that's you know you can see you can sense it's touch on some other games in the last few years, but uh, or King of Dragon Pass you can. Um, but but seeing Six Ages come come up and like seeing this team with this world and and this kind of same core design um, uh, evolved is really special and and something that I'm super excited that they that they managed to to do uh, so well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, there's not a lot of games where I go out of my way and will tell people to just accept the game on its own terms. Don't make the game try and function on yours. Um, Six Ages is actually one of those games. Um, I think if you if you can play it now, go ahead and play it now. If you can't play it now, try and remember it because it'll still be <laughs> worth playing next year. Totally. I mean, I think, and Troy brings up something really important, which is we live in a time when so much coverage will come from Let's Plays. Um, and while you can capture, you know, your iOS screen, it's a lot harder than opening up OBS and going and pointing it at Twitch. Um, and so I really hope that when it does launch, uh, we get a lot of people playing, playing through the game together and, uh, you know, big streams of people. It's like the dream, right? Like I, I got into King of Dragon Pass because of the King of Dragon Pass Let's Play that I guess someone on Something Awful did. It's up over at the LP archive and that's worth a read too. It's a fantastic Let's Play. Um, or I haven't read it in eight years probably or 10 years, but, but when I read it, it was great. Um, and uh, and that's what got me into the game. And today, it's so much easier to do that sort of thing. And the idea of like streaming that with an audience of a few hundred people who are all debating about whether or not to, you know, do you want revenge on the trolls who stole your babies? Or maybe the, the trolls stole your babies for a good reason. <laughs> who knows? Yeah. That's like, that excites me in a real way. And, and when it hits PC, I'll definitely be one of those people out there doing my best to, to put it out in front of people because it really is something cool. And, you know, yeah, to, to, I feel to, very similarly. To, you know, to Twitch plays six ages. Yes, That's exactly. A great God, idea. Please, <laughs> someone, please make it happen. You could do that for Waypoint. You could I, have yeah. a Twitch. A Twitch, Twitch plays. Plays. Yeah, we'll just, you, you, uh, you've got a really good audience. Or... We do have a good audience who would be happy to, who would actually treat that very well. That's actually true. Shout out to the Waypoint audience who would not troll us, you know, into the ground by, you know, if we tried this. Uh, so that's it uh, for today's show. Uh, you can listen, first listen to Three Moves Ahead at uh, threemovesahead.net. Uh, we are part of the Idle Thumbs Network. Uh, this show is supported by listeners like you at our Patreon, uh, which you can find at patreon.com slash 3MA. We have a lot of interesting donors doing interesting things. If you listen to last week's show, we talked a bit about uh, the RTS gaming we do every week with some of our donors. If you donate at a certain level, uh, you have access to that. So think of, listen to that show and think about whether this is something you want to be a part of as well as you know supporting us here. Uh, as always, this show is produced by the illustrious Michael Hermes, uh, giver of nicknames and master of the sounds. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to thank Austin and John uh, for being with us today, and we will be back hopefully soon with another episode. Have a good night.